The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Sunday, May 26th, the greatest spectacle in racing returns. The Indianapolis 500 on NBC and Peacock. 33 of the world's fastest drivers go head-to-head for a chance to kiss the bricks, taste the milk, and claim their place in racing history. Experience the drama, the pageantry, the tradition. Live from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, the Indy 500. Sunday, May 26th on NBC and Peacock. Or listen on Sirius XM NBC Sports Channel. Streaming now only on Peacock. Five rich and famous international soccer stars. They have everything except love. I think girls in the past have gone for me because of what I've got. That's why we're going undercover. We're setting them up with single American women. They don't know we are famous. They don't know we are rich. And they'll have to hide their true identity. What do you need for work? I'm an ad salesman. (laughs) Oh, God. What am I doing? Love Undercover. New series streaming now only on Peacock. I mean, shoot, I shoot. We we know. I mean, you know, shoot. Oh, you shoot, I tell you. And shoot. I mean, shoot. But I, well, shoot. 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 I don't care if you hand it to me. It's kind of like, hey, shoot. I'd have been saying, shoot, shoot. I had no doubt. It's like dead gummy. Shoot. We're gonna let's get better. Shoot. The defense stepped up big. Shoot. 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 That's it. Shoot. Let's go. The Thursday edition of Pro Football Talk Live, Peacock, Sirius XM 211, NBCSN on the re-air. Hello, future NBCSN audience. Two hours from now, we're live at 7 a.m. Eastern. If you want to see the show live, you got to get Peacock. It's the wave of the future. Download it now. It's easy to do. It's the wave of the future. The wave of the future. It is the wave of the future. It is. And then Sky Sports NFL, 7 o'clock, primetime. Our good friends over there. I still hear from the folks in the UK and in Ireland all the time. The fans of the NFL. Not taking anything from the American fans of American football, but it feels to me like the truly passionate fans from the UK and Ireland are even more passionate. I hear what you mean. Than than some of the American fans because they can't get what they want, right? Especially this past year. They didn't get there for sure. NFL games because of the pandemic. So th- there's a there's a a desire there that that uh, I just don't detect the same zeal from the the group that I hear from all the time, and I appreciate hearing from them all the time, even when my email box is loaded after a show or during a show or I, when I wake up in the morning. I I'm enjoy, not complaining. I, I enjoy, enjoy mostly looking at your Twitter thread and people getting on you about there's more cities in England than London. Could you please say hi to some of them? That that I, there's it never fails. There is always someone under, you know, one of your tweets or something that has something about that. Never, never fails. I say, what do I say when I say like pissed? Because right. I know that you they say, don't sorry, like London. that. I'll say sorry, London. So I guess I need to get a list of other cities and apologize to them too. I'm not only apologizing to London; right. it's just part of the. Or bit. you could just say All England right. or UK. Yes. <laughs> well, sorry, London. You won't be able to watch Philip Rivers next year or ever again. He retired yesterday morning. The news broke during the show. We reacted to it kind of on the fly. We've had a chance to process it now. Rivers has issued a statement explaining why he's doing it and basically it was just time and he picked january 20th because as we said yesterday it's the feast day of saint sebastian he's a devout catholic it was also the anniversary of the game that he played without an acl the afc championship game wow more than a decade ago and it's time for him to move on it's time for him to start coaching high school football that is what he wants to do and you know we talk about the possibility of him being a broadcaster it's got to fit with his desire to coach high school football because that seems to be the number one thing that made him decide not to give it another go. There's clearly gas in the tank, Chris, and he's walking away without the uniform being ripped off of him like your dad once advised Brett Favre he should do. Rivers still has something if he wants to do it. He just chooses not to do it, and that's his right. Yeah, no, it is his right. You know, yeah, he could probably come back for another year 
You know, I don't know how pretty it would look. I don't know how many teams would clamor for his services or anything like that. You know, I, I, I don't know. He certainly played good football this year. Did he have some moments of, you know, what the hell are you doing? Or, wow, his arm looks weak today and those type of things? Yeah, certainly. Okay. He's never blown us away with arm strength or things like that. Uh, but but I think it's the right time for him to, to call quits. He did have a great career. He is an NFL legend. How can you not respect him and the way he approached the game? You know, I, I always love those kind of guys. I, you know, I know some people like their quarterbacks who are quiet and don't say anything. I've always appreciated, you know, the Phillip Rivers, Brady edginess that they can bring to the table. I, I think it's good for the team. I think it's good for TV. I love that. And then the tough way he just played the game. Again, his consecutive streak uh, starts or, or games played and things like that is, is, is on, to me, on task with Brett Favre because – Philip Rivers, he didn't give a damn who was around him, who was going to hit him. He was going to sit in that pocket and take shots, and he wasn't going to crawl into the fetal position or do anything like that. And uh, that's where I respect him as well. Just a great competitor and uh, fun to watch over the years. 252 straight starts, including the playoffs. Second longest all-time streak to Brett Favre at 321. It's amazing. A gap of almost 70 between number one and number two. And I think Russell Wilson now is the the active leader and he's still got a long long way to go to catch brett Favre. i think what brett Favre did as time passes will become even more and more impressive but as to rivers you know there's always a story behind the story chris and it's 11 days from his final game against the bills in the postseason to the announcement on wednesday that he was going to retire and there's probably a story to be told or maybe there isn't but we always wonder we look maybe it'll get reported at some point was there a communication with the Colts as to a point you had made whether or not the Colts would say we'd like to have you back but given what's happening with the cap next year the number's more like 18 million or 19 million not 25 million right, right. and and were there phone calls discreetly made to other teams to see whether or not other teams would be in the Philip Rivers business if he decided to roll the dice in free agency i remember last year as he became a free agent after leaving the chargers i thought there was a chance he wasn't going to find a clear cut starting job and would have to either compete or take a backup role and would he do that you rarely see the franchise quarterback who does that, Joe Flacco, one of the limited exceptions who will hang around as the number two guy on a depth chart yeah. and make the paycheck that goes along with it instead of walking off into the sunset. I wonder whether or not some work was done to get Rivers to come to the conclusion it's not going to be as automatic for me this year as it was last year. I don't want to go through that. I'm just going to walk away. I, I, I would think there's some feel for the situation you know, Rivers, again, I think a, a pretty realistic, true-to-himself, in-reality type of guy who could probably see the writing on the wall a little bit. He understands that, there's damn, there's a lot of quarterbacks out there in free agency in the draft this year. I, I also find him a guy, I don't think he just would want to go to any team or go anywhere, right? I, at least that's just the way he comes off to me. You know, with his, his fat family, how many people he has, you know, to worry about as far as that situation. But I always felt like it was just a few limited places that Philip Rivers would go and play football even last year. I just didn't think it would be like, oh, wherever, you know, wherever. He's just going to end up, you know, that made sense. The Colts, you know, he's not, he didn't grow up too far from that area as far as Tennessee, Alabama's concerned. And then Frank Reich was there. We always heard the rumors about Nashville, Tennessee Titans and all that because he didn't grow up far from there. Uh, so, I guess what I'm saying is I think the timing is right, and I don't think that a lot of teams would have clamored for Phillip Rivers this year, and it would have been more the situation like you're saying, like, hey, you can come here, but we're only giving you this money, and there's no guaranteed you know, that you're going to be the starting quarterback. I think that's probably what he was facing this year. It may have just been a conversation then with one team, the Colts. What do you think? And let me know what you're thinking right. so I can make my plans. Because remember – when he signed with the Colts for a one-year deal, there was talk by him eventually that he wanted to play multiple years. And the Colts envisioned, at least so they said, publicly, multiple years. You know, you don't want to be disrespectful. You don't want to create an issue when there otherwise isn't one. And if all of a sudden the Colts are saying, we don't want this guy next year or words to that effect, that can be a distraction to what you're trying to do in the season that you're currently 
do you think, playing, but do you think you got I, a I feel for I, that at, before the season was over from the Colts that there was no talk about you know hey let's do another year or anything like that? He seemed before the Bills game, before Week 17, the thought of retirement he said was on his mind, and this could be my last game, and I have thought about that. So you know this must have been stewing in his brain and having some feel for where the situation was going to go, don't you think? Yeah, at times though. You hear players say they don't want to be distracted by anything like that. But if you're thinking about it and you don't act on it, it becomes more of a distraction. You can't you can't push things completely out of your mind. Right. And the more you're thinking about it, the more of an issue it becomes. It's better to seek clarity if there's something that's bothering you. So as November goes into December and you start seeing what the planets are going to possibly align like and you start hearing Carson Wentz, maybe to Indianapolis, you know, at some point, and all it takes is a phone call or a text message to your agent to say, can you get in touch with Chris Ballard and and just get an idea of what they're thinking for next year? Because I got plans to make, and it's harder for me than most people because I have a large family. I just yeah. want to have an idea sooner rather than later whether or not I'm going to be getting ready for a season, where I'm going to be, am I going to have to go look for something else, is it time for me to coach high school football, is it time for me to pursue opportunities for Sunday or Monday broadcasting? I, I think it's it's not unreasonable to believe that a guy approaching 40 who has so many different plates spinning in his life didn't reach out directly or indirectly to get an idea of what the Colts want to do next year, if not during the season immediately after, but sometime in that window, yeah, especially right. once the Wentz talk started. Right. You're trying to focus on getting your team to the playoffs and maybe trying to get to a Super Bowl. And everywhere you turn now, you see this speculation about Carson Wentz next year. Hey, folks, just let me know where I stand so I can I can pursue the final games of this season with the right mindset, knowing this is the last go round. I think there's value in that. So I, I wouldn't be surprised, Chris, if those conversations happen, yeah. not just after the loss to the Bills, but before. Yeah, I, I would agree. I, I would think there's some conversation either with him directly or his agent who got a feel for the situation, and if it was the agent, he relays it to Phillip Rivers. Okay, so now now the big question, right? I mean, Phillip Rivers, legend, is he a Hall of Famer? I mean, this is, this is one that's going to be a good conversation, I think, and of course he lacks a Super Bowl win, and that never never is easy as a quarterback. So what do you think? I saw suggestions yesterday that given that Drew Brees most likely is retiring and that Phillip Rivers are retiring in the same offseason, could they go in together first ballot like Steve Young and Dan Marino? Remember when they went in first ballot together? Wasn't it the two of them that went in together? They, I think it was both first ballots. I think it was. Yeah. Um, I, I, no. I, there's no way. I can't remember. I I, I will have to look it up. Yeah. We'll look it up during a break. Actually, we'll forget. We say that just to move past it, and then we'll forget all about it and move on. Pete's looking it up. Pete just woke up before the show started, folks, so part of his process of waking up is to look this up for <laughs> us. Um, he claims he'd been awake. We don't believe it based upon how his voice sounded. Right. Voice sounded very much us. like, whoa, I woke up <laughs> just before the <laughs> show started. Good thing. <laughs> uh, but he, here's my theory on Rivers. He doesn't get in first ballot. Right. And Look, Chris, he was never the best quarterback in football during his years in the NFL. There was never a year where it's like Phillip Rivers is the guy. There's yeah. always someone else. There's always multiple someone else's. Right. You had Peyton Manning, and you had Tom Brady, and you had the end of Brett Favre's career, and you had Ben Roethlisberger who won Super Bowls, and you had Eli Manning who won Super Bowls from your draft class, and you didn't. I think it's very difficult for Phillip Rivers to get in in his first year or maybe second or third year. But here's what I believe is going to happen. Yeah. I think Rivers is going to get into broadcasting. And I think Rivers is going to be great. And that is going to help him get into the Hall of Fame, just like it helped John Madden get into the Hall of Fame. Because John Madden, all due respect, based on his coaching career, didn't coach long enough, didn't achieve enough. But what happened years later? Beloved John Madden, greatest NFL broadcaster of all time. His name is plastered on the popular video game. He's getting in the Hall of Fame. That's real. And the voters will harumph and say, well, we don't consider those things. And I say to that bull bleep, yes, you do. You may not realize it. You may not think you do, but you do. And if everyone loves Philip Rivers 
as a broadcaster, that's helping Philip Rivers get into the Hall of Fame eventually, Chris. I, I guess so. You're right. I, I mean, I, I, you know, there's another Phil I know and Phil Sims who, you know, had a similar path like that and won a Super Bowl. And I don't know. Nobody's talking about him with the Hall of Fame. But I hear your point. It's very real. You know, and I, who knows with the Hall of Fame? I mean, it's hard to tell what the hell is the criteria and what is it. I mean, Brian Urlacher got in the first ballot Hall of Fame with Ray Lewis. I mean, you and I know that had should have never happened. They're not in the same stratosphere. You know, I don't know. Tom Flores isn't in the Super Bowl. He won two of them. I mean, in the Hall of Fame, he won two of them. I don't understand that either. I don't get it. I think it's a good I – I, you, you, you raise a good question there. And I, th- I certainly think if he does announce and is good at it, which we expect him to be and fun and colorful and all that, that certainly will help his case. You're right. I, I do. I, I, no matter what the voters say or anything, at the very least, maybe you get into some sort of contributor or something like that, a guy who's been around football forever. Yeah. But no, but, but they'll, put him in, they'll put him in as a player. They're not going to burn but, a spot for a contributor category. They'll put him in as a player because he's got – look, he's retiring fifth all-time in yards and I, touchdown It means passes. nothing, though. It means nothing. It just means nothing to me at this point. I mean – you know, again, the the way the league is set up, everybody's going to have numbers like this in a few years. Everybody. It's, it just doesn't matter. You know, we've talked about this before. We can watch games and watch quarterbacks never throw the ball past the line of scrimmage, and they're they're seven for eight for 100 yards. Oh, what, what, oh he's on fire today. Oh, yeah, is he? He hasn't thrown a ball yet, but he's got 100 yards, you know, passing. I, I don't know. I think he's a legend. I don't think he gets into the Hall of Fame. As much as I – Want it to happen because I like the guy and I think he embodies a lot of what an NFL Hall of Fame player is about. I still think it's just going to be stats and not enough marquee wins and big moments that I think is ultimately going to hurt him. You know, what? what is his marquee playoff game win? Of course, he never even got into a Super Bowl, but what is the marquee playoff win? You know, the one where he tore his ACL and Billy Volick came in and finished the game, right? I mean, it's hard to really say. So that, and then to what you kind of say, Mike, I don't think there was ever a year where we said Phillip Rivers is one of the three best quarterbacks in football. And again, you tell me and correct me as I go here. Maybe some years where we thought he was dancing around the top five, maybe, I think, right? If we're being kind, but I don't even know if we can ever really say it was top five he was maybe right on the outside looking in on some of his best years at least that's how I feel I don't what about you I think his marquee playoff win would have been the game against the Patriots at home in the divisional round 2006 Marlon McCree makes the interception that ices the game and then fumbles it that would have been to get it back and they win because you know back in that era the Chargers matched up with the Colts incredibly well. Do a little research, yeah. folks. It's easily found. They were. The Chargers had the Colts number. That that defense bedeviled Peyton Manning. It was one of the reasons why I used to lobby for Ron Rivera to be a head coach, ideally with another team in the AFC South, because Ron Rivera's defenses did a pretty good number on Peyton Manning. They were Peyton teams. Manning got the ultimate revenge against Ron Rivera and the Panthers in Super Bowl 50. But if, if the Chargers win that game. Maybe they end up in the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. And they would have hosted the Colts. That I remember having that conversation with Tony Dungy about trying to engineer your seed. Is it better to be the four seed or the three seed? And Dungy said it's always better to be higher because you never know how it's going to fall together and you're going to end up hosting the AFC Championship game like they did that year against the Patriots after the Patriots beat the Chargers. That was their year. That was their chance. Well, that's and it where, didn't work out. Yeah, you're right. That's where... You know, it, that, that, that's where it's hard. So we, we can't really come up with one. And yet we can come up. I could come up with a few others to go. He was a quarterback on a team that was better than the team he played in the playoffs and lost. So I think that's going to hurt him. Certainly. I mean, those some of those Chargers teams there at the end of the Drew Brees era and Philip Rivers. Wow, were they good? I mean, that's why they got rid of Phil, Drew Brees. They thought they were the best team in football and they didn't make the playoffs. I mean, that's really what it, it came down to. But it's going to be an interesting convo. And of course, He's going to be interesting, right, Mike, because of the the other guys in his draft class who are also, right. I think, Big Ben's a shoo-in. Eli, I would say, is going to get in. I don't think it's a first ballot type of thing, but because he's Eli Manning, and like you said, he's won two Super Bowls, and you know the Mannings know how to play the game a little bit, I would imagine he gets in at one point. So Rivers could be the guy that's kind of on the outside looking in as far as this is concerned. Shereen Williams and I were talking about this last night, how the lobbying by Peyton Manning for Eli will be intense. And 
my official position has been and continues to be I'm not interested in being a Hall of Fame selector, but the one area where I would love it is when Peyton Manning is trying to call me up and kiss my butt to vote for Eli, and I'm putting him off like Peyton, not now. Peyton, I'm busy. Peyton, I got things to do. Copy, paste, copy, paste, snarky comment. Can you call me later? Just just the idea, just the idea, thank you, just the idea that Peyton Manning is trying to get you to do something for him, (laughs) and that's how it goes. It is very political, and there is lobbying, and I guarantee you Peyton Manning is going to call all 48 of the selectors repeatedly to sing the praises of his kid brother and argue why he should get in that year. I guarantee you, and I think eventually people are just going to say, Peyton, I'll vote for him if it means you will leave me the hell alone. (laughs) I'm telling you that's what's coming, and it's four years away. I want to push back on one thing you said, though, because I agree with you. In his class, he's behind Roethlisberger and Eli Manning for a spot in the Hall of Fame. They got multiple Super Bowl wins. And Eli's got multiple Super Bowl MVPs. Ben's got zero. Right. Zero. Right. Or you could argue one of the reasons they lost Super Bowl 45 is that Bruce Arians and Ben Roethlisberger sure. were trying you to get Ben the MVP award more than they were trying to win the game, frankly. And there are people who are on that team who believe that, right. frankly. So uh, as a little a little dash to well, that Bruce Hey, Arians that MVP conversation annoys me anyways. That that just to, with these three quarterbacks. You know, first off, we could easily give Big Ben the, the MVP conversation for the, the Cardinals – game the clutch drive how they did that you know Eli got a Eli got an MVP because of one drive in one of those so one of the defenders should have been the MVP of the first Super Bowl but the quarterback of course always gets favored in those things too so that's become a little subjective and annoying uh, as well as we we talk it's about Manning. Kind of it's Manning. It's Manning. Yeah, that's the point. Right. The fact that he got both of those MVPs. Right. It's Manning. You could argue David Tyree should have been the MVP of that game for making the catch that we'd never seen before and haven't seen since off of his helmet while Rodney Harrison is dragging him down. Folks, do you have any idea how difficult that would be with Rodney Harrison dragging him to the ground right? to hold on to that damn is, football? He's made of steel. Like I don't know. Yes, I mean he really is. Even at forty-seven or eight, whatever he is, he's still made of steel. I, I would wouldn't fight Rodney if you paid me. I want to push back, though, against the the flippant reaction that you had to Phillip Rivers being fifth all-time in passing yardage. Because I'm looking at the numbers here, and you're saying he's eventually going to be passed by. It's going to take a while because I'm going down the list. I don't see who's going to catch him, Chris. He's ahead of Dan Marino. He's ahead of Dan right. freaking Marino. And, and active quarterbacks, Matt Ryan's got 8,000 yards to go. Matt Ryan undoubtedly will catch him. Some of these other guys, like Matthew Stafford, he's got a lot of work to do. He's 18,000 yards behind Phillip Rivers, 18,000 yards. It's is three years in this to- NFL. It's not that uh, much. You know, maybe four. It's four. Okay, it's if you four throw for 4,500 a year, it's, it's you're getting into that kind of conversation. That's what But, but I'm looking down here. The active list of guys who have a chance to catch him, it's all guys who are older. Russell Wilson still got – 30,000 yards to go. He's at 33. Who was this one? Nine seasons. Who's oh, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson. Yeah. Russell Wilson. Right. Yeah. So, uh, you know, you and I'm scrolling and I'm scrolling. Here's Kirk Cousins at 28,000. Hey, I mean, listen, he the numbers him. are impressive, but, you know, it, it, that just doesn't. Vinny Testaverde, Drew Bledsoe, they, they retired in the top eight all time in passing yards when they, you know, again, I think it's kind of the same sort of talk. And I'm not saying I think Philip Rivers is better than those two guys. But I, I don't know if that necessarily translates to, you know, getting. I don't the Hall think of Vinny Testaverde. I don't think Vinny Testaverde was in. Was he in the top eight? Sixth. Oh, here he is. He he's fifteenth now. He was. Yep, he's fifteenth he now. Yeah. Football historian. Wow. Well, forty-six thousand passing yards in a career that spanned twenty years. Right. One of the quietest great NFL quarterback careers that you could ever see. But uh, yeah, look, there he is at number five. Philip Rivers, and he will be passed eventually, and he'll be, you know, nine or ten before too long. Uh, I, 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 I just think, based upon what we saw from John Madden, what we saw, as Pete mentioned, I think we talked about this last night on PFTPM, how Dick LeBeau got into the Hall of Fame right. as a player, even though it was his legend as an assistant coach that got him over the top. Oh, we didn't consider that. Oh, okay, sure you didn't, Hall of Fame voters. You don't consider all the things that you're not supposed to consider fine. Yeah, you do. You do. And they did with LeBeau, they did with Madden, and they will with Phillip Rivers. And he's getting in at some point. 
by virtue of the added boost that will come from being a broadcaster if he does it. I'm still not sure he's going to do it. I'm, I'm, I, I mean, think he might say, dadgummit, shoot, I'm going to coach football in high school, and dadgummit, shoot, darn, I'm not doing Monday night or Sunday football or whatever. How how do you do both jobs to the best of your ability? Right. If you're – you can't just do drive-by broadcasting and just say, hey, you know, I'm going to do this job as long as you understand that I'm just showing up for the games. I'll watch the film – uh, on on the plane to wherever the game is, but I'm not making this my full time job. My full time job is coaching high school football. No, I that's just not think that work. for a guy like that who seems like he's going to be true to whatever he does, right. I don't think he's going to do anything half assed. No, I, I agreed. Say half assed. Yeah, I did well, say you said it. It's too late. You said it three times, times now. Yes, yeah. Right. Uh, but no, I, I'm with you. I don't think he's going to try to to you know do two things half you know half assed like you said. It's going to be one thing, full go, all my attention, and he's going to be mentally and physically and emotionally invested into that. That just seems to be the guy he is. That's why you know he was fun to watch and watch him talk crap and yell at defensive players. You don't see that from quarterbacks. That was really the cool thing about Phillip Rivers. Like, Who was it at first when he was in the NFL? It was Jay Cutler and the Broncos who used to like kind of get in their face and talk and yes. do all that? I mean, we never really saw that out of the quarterback position until Philip Rivers. And, I mean, we still don't really see it. Very unique by him. One last thing before we move on. I was so impressed that you knew that Vinny Testaverde retired sixth all-time until I look at the sheets. In this giant blue background is the note from Pete that Vinny Testaverde was sixth all-time. So I'm still no a longer historian. impressed that don't you knew you that worry. off the top of your still head. I thought you knew it off the top of your head. <laughs> All right, we knew it off the top of our head that Patrick Mahomes is going to play on Sunday. It's just a matter of time, folks. Let's hear from Andy Reid speaking to the media yesterday, choosing his words carefully because it is a little bit of a minefield for a coach to say whether or not a player with a concussion is going to be cleared to play. But you can read between the lines or the tea leaves, as the case may be. Here's Andy Reid talking about Mahomes. Yeah, um, so he looked good. He's just uh, he's in the protocol, so they, there's only certain things he can do, and <clears throat> and it's a limited basis. But today is a little bit limited practice, so he this fit right into what he could do. And and um, but he took all the snaps, and <clears throat> you know he feels he feels good. So I mean, we just we're just gonna follow this protocol uh, as close as we possibly can. Of course, that's all they can do, but he was able to practice. It wasn't full contact. I think as it relates to the five-step process under the protocol, he's in step three. Okay. And and obviously, look, he's not cleared until he's cleared, but all signs are pointing to Patrick Mahomes being cleared. Officially yesterday, he was a limited participant in practice, concussion, and toe. We expected that. We'll see what happens today, tomorrow. My guess is he'll be labeled as questionable just in case, and then we wait and see for him to show up and play on Sunday, and I think that he will. I, I'm, I'm always uncomfortable when the team reportedly is optimistic. I don't think, as I said yesterday, they should be anyistic when it yeah, comes to this. Right. But I, I, I think it's naive to assume he won't play. Yes. I think he's going to be good to go, and and the Chiefs are going to be the Chiefs when they play the Bills on Sunday, and it should be a great game. It should be a great game. I'm with you. I mean, you know, it's it's one. Of, I, I would be just shocked. If, if he doesn't play, I really would be. I, I mean, uh, like I said on Monday, I, I'd cry. I might cry Sunday morning if I find out Patrick Mahomes is going to play. That will, that will just be a dagger to the heart. And, you know, I'll bring up one thing, too, to like, you know, I was talking about this with my dad last night, and you said it earlier this week. I mean, really, whoever that, that you know, what, what, the impartial guy that's going to, you know, check him out for the concussion i'm mess messing up with the word that describes independent, independent neurologist, neurologist. The, the official name is even more fancy than that but it's the independent neurologist right. like he's gonna have to be living under a rock to not know the magnitude of the guy he's checking out in this game and what's going on in this country and this weekend with afc nfc championship game so that's gonna play into this and i, I would i would say mike yesterday they probably had that limited practice deliberately so Patrick Mahomes could 
be a part of the whole practice instead of him, oh, wait, you're not allowed to run and do physical exertion, so now you have to sit and watch this part of practice. Andy just said, nope, we're going to have a walkthrough. The whole practice is going to be a two-hour walkthrough, and then Patrick Mahomes can do it and go through all the mechanics and all that, and they still void the concussion protocol issues there. So smart play by them, and I wouldn't be shocked if we heard that again today, really. You know, that thought crossed my mind and I hadn't articulated it. The idea that Wednesday is usually the big work day in advance of a Sunday game. They played on Sunday like they normally do during a football season, except when you're a marquee team and you have games on other days. But usually the Sunday to Sunday schedule is Wednesday is your big practice day. And maybe this week it's going to be Thursday or maybe it won't be. I don't know. But I think you're right. I think they curtailed the intensity of the practice to allow Patrick Mahomes to fully participate in it. And uh, and we'll see how he progresses on that path toward being cleared to play. Also limited yesterday, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, ankle and hip injuries, Sammy Watkins, calf injury. So we'll keep an eye on them as the week continues to unfold. For the Buccaneers, who had one of those phony, we didn't practice, but if we did practice, here's who would have practiced and not practiced. And Bruce Arians' reasoning is they had a very physical game on Sunday against the New Orleans Saints. He's trying to give his guys a breather before they really start ramping up for Sunday against the Green Bay Packers. Another break from convention when you're talking about the traditional Wednesday practice. Antonio Brown would not have practiced if they'd had a full practice. He's got that knee. He's day-to-day, and we've addressed this. Tom Brady trusts Scotty Miller. Right. He trusts Tyler Johnson. He trusts all of his pass catchers at this point. This is game number 19. It's great if Antonio Brown can play. It's hardly something that is going to doom the Buccaneers if he can't. No, that's exactly right. Yeah, it's great if he's out there. I'd love to see him, you know, out there in playoff football, championship Sunday, all that. But but you said it, and you said it yesterday. Scotty Miller's damn good. I mean, he's good. I mean, you you line him up next to to Antonio Brown. I'm not sure who wins that race. I think Scotty Miller might beat him in in just a straight go route. His quickness is real, too. Um, So, yeah, they're not going to miss anything. And and really, hey, I, I don't know. I mean, you know, we know Brady and company are going to pass the ball and do that. But, you know, the way they ran the ball and that big offensive line, that's going to be, you know, the other thing to watch in this football game against that Packers D-line. Packers expected to sign cornerback Tremont Williams, wow. who was with the team from 2007 to 2014 and also 2018 to 2019. Look, I'm starting to fully understand. And the Ravens have been a little a – little, evasive about explaining what they're up to here right. this is this is a new twist that isn't a new rule it's just a new approach after your season ends you can waive players and if those players are claimed they don't join the new team's roster until after the super bowl the exception is this if they go unclaimed they can sign with someone else and join a playoff run and pursue a championship. Tremont Williams can go back to the Green Bay Packers. Mark Ingram, who cleared waivers yesterday. If someone had claimed him on waivers, he can't play for anyone until after the Super Bowl has passed. And if someone wanted to block the Bills from getting Mark Ingram, all they had to do was put in the claim. It's the old Deion Sanders rule from 2002 where he wanted to get on the Raiders bandwagon. He was on the reserve retired list with Washington. They waived him. And Marty Schottenheimer, who was the Chargers coach at the time, claimed him. Schottenheimer had been the Washington coach. Dion retired because he didn't like Schottenheimer. And Schottenheimer threw the wrench in the gears by claiming him on waivers. It's similar, but it's different. This is more postseason maneuverings. Teams can do it. And here's why the Ravens are doing it. Plain and simple. It's good PR for future players because – they know, hey, I'm going to get a chance, potentially, if they're done with me anyway. Yeah. If they're going to move on from me anyway, they're going to let me go and give me an opportunity to jump on board another team and try to go chase a championship. And that's got to be a factor in making decisions about whether or not you're going to join the Baltimore Ravens as a free agent. I Definitely. I mean, it, it's certainly, you know, what, icing on the on the cake or whatever it is. I mean, it, it's I don't really... I guess, I mean, Mike, I guess that's the reason, right? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't think of That's any- the reason. Yes. That's the reason. Wow. I, I, because once I saw, because uh, I was led to believe that waving Mark Ingram meant he can't play for anyone right. through the Super Bowl. That's it. 
And then it became obvious to me yesterday when Tremont Williams is going to sign with the Packers and I started poking around again. It's like, oh, 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 no, no. If he's unclaimed on waivers, he can sign. It's like, well, why didn't you tell me that on Monday? I, I didn't understand. This This is something nobody does. Yeah. This is new. I've been, doing, I've been covering this 20 years. Right. And I can't recall a time where someone was waived by a team after its season ended and had the opportunity to play for someone else in a postseason game. It's crazy. So, I mean, oh, yeah, if he's not claimed, he can. Well, why wouldn't the Bills give him a call? They lost Zach Moss. Right. Why wouldn't you right. know the Buccaneers gobble up anyone they can find? And then it becomes, do we do we sign this guy to keep him away from someone else? I think that's part of the mentality, too. So it'll be interesting to see if someone signs Mark Ingram before Sunday or if he ends up being signed for, for the Super Bowl. Yeah. But he's fair game uh, right. for any of the teams that are still playing. Yeah, I mean, you're right. The Bills are the team you think of. I mean, we know they got the running back issues. Yeah, That's the first thing I thought of with, with Mark Ingram. And, I mean, I mean Tremont Williams – I mean, that, that's amazing, too. The Packers are going to have his, you know, uh, ability or uh, availability this weekend with the Buccaneers, with all these wide receivers we're talking about and weapons. I mean, Tremont Williams, not you know, not that he's in his prime anymore, but he's he's solid. He competes. He was out there on the field covering people for the Ravens against the Bills last week. I mean, it, it, was, it wasn't like you're like, oh, man, Tremont Williams is done. He can't do anything anymore. I mean, he's going to be able to add to this football team. Uh, it's it's really crazy. I, I've never seen this either. It, this is new to me, and I wonder if this will catch on through the league. Uh, but the Ravens certainly doing something that that's new, new, and I haven't seen. It's either going to catch on, or the league office is going to plug the loophole it, right. and say and say the rosters freeze. You can't waive guys because there's no, there's no benefit to the Ravens in clearing guys off the roster. Now there's, there's no benefit. The roster in the off season goes to 90, right? You gain nothing just because usually the action day is right after the Super Bowl. That's when you see guys like Greg Olson last year released by the Panthers right after the Super Bowl. That, that is usually when it happens. Do you this think is this new, is right? And, Do you like this? Like there is a part of me that goes like, I don't know if this should be allowed. Uh, you know, Tremont Williams wasn't there all year. He's not a part of the team. It does seem a little odd. I mean, listen, I know we can do it right now, and good for Tremont Williams, certainly not hating on him. It's just competitive-wise, guy that's you and me, we watch football, it, it doesn't necessarily seem right. Well, I think what will happen is, as it does catch on and spread, if other teams do it, at some point it's going to be abused. At some point, at some point I could see – a team. What is like a team me, who's let, out, like let, let, who hates the let, other team that's still right, in? Let, it. let me let me let me let me sound this out. Go ahead. Let's Go ahead. say that there is a star player, uh, uh, the, the and and the team, you know, just wants to help him out. They they, they and and there's a wink, nod, understanding that they're going to waive him, and he's going to go sign with another team, uh, and then. And then he's going to rejoin and re-sign with the team that waived him after the season. I mean, there's potential abuses there. The protection against it, though, is just claim the guy on waivers. Just claim one of the other teams that's yeah. done, claim him on waivers. So maybe if it feels like this is being abused, other teams will say, no, sorry, we're claiming that contract on waivers. And hell, I mean, maybe, you know, maybe there's regret by some of these other teams. Maybe that's why it was a little sketchy and I couldn't get to the truth because teams didn't understand if you don't claim him on waivers – he can go sign with someone else because I think if teams had fully understood that, all it takes is one to say, no, Bills or Packers or Chiefs or Bucks, we're not letting you play that game. Right. We're putting in a waiver claim on Mark Ingram. Yeah, I mean, I, I think there would be, if this continued, there would be lots of things that you could watch that could be finagled or, or messed with. What if, if, what if it's, you know, well, let's just say, you know, for, for this cases, like the Ravens, maybe they – hate the Chiefs, right? They don't want to they don't want to see the Chiefs win the Super Bowl. I'm just throwing it out there. The Ravens hate the Chiefs. You know, and they have a superstar corner on their team that they know they're not going to keep after the season. You know, I don't know. I'm just thinking like you you could finagle it to throw them out there, cut them, and then right. oh, hey, now the Bills sign them to help them beat the Chiefs and the Ravens got what they wanted cuz I mean, I I know that's far fetched, but I mean, crap like that could happen, certainly. But the protection is just claim the guy on yeah, waivers. That's right. Right. And it blocks him until right, after happens. the Super That's, that's the right. thing. You don't even have to take him on your You're team. Right. The Chiefs can that. claim him on waivers and and he plays for no one. That's right. And again, I think that's why and, and I, I can't get too far into the weeds here without compromising sources. I have a feeling the whole truth, 
the truth was told to me, but not the whole truth. Because if the whole truth had been told to me and we had gotten it out there, somebody may have claimed Mark Ingram on waivers and prevented him from landing with another team in any of these remaining three postseason games. All right, we got to take a break. I'm surprised. But it's this is one of those days where you look at the ever. clock and it's like, yeah. holy crap. Yeah. yeah, almost, almost. At 37, I think it's a tie. When we return, one thing we know about the new Lions head coach, he's not going to be fired as quickly as Matt Patricia was. We'll explain when PFT Live continues right after this. Around any corner, within every battle, and with the dawn of each new day, the threat of the unexpected, the unpredictable, and the unrelenting lies in wait. But Marines will always be there. They are the constant in the chaos. No matter the battlefield, Marines adapt to win, defeating every shifting threat, protecting our nation's future. The few, the proud, the Marines. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed, also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. The Premier League is built on hope. The hope of discovering a new star. It doesn't take long, but Darwin Nunez to make an impression. The hope of rewriting history. And the hope of continuing a dynasty. Unstoppable week after week. This is the Premier League on NBC, USA and Peacock. As you guys all know, I mean, we can only pad up once a week, you know, and I think that's right, right? I'm still learning some of this, but I'm pretty sure that was the rule. Uh, if I'm wrong, let me know. If we can go three, I forgot if I ate yesterday. I don't even know if I ate, but uh, you guys mind if I do this? I want emotions high, you know? I, 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 want, I want those guys to puff their feathers up a little bit. That, that's, to me, that's what it's all about. So ultimately, all I wanted to see is guys come out and compete and violently compete. That's Dan Campbell back in 2015 when he was the interim coach of the Miami Dolphins after Joe Philbin was fired early in the season. And there was a thought that the ship was going to come in for Dan yeah, Campbell. right. It took several years. And he gets caught in that New Orleans quicksand where guys just can't break free no matter how good the team is. And you look at how good they've been the last four years. I mean, poor Pete Carmichael, he's been there forever. Nobody ever interviews him right. for a head coaching job. Dennis Allen finally got consideration this year with the Eagles. And it's Dan Campbell who breaks out and becomes the head coach of the Detroit Lions, Chris, with a six-year deal. This is the tax that you pay when you are dis a dysfunctional team. Sure. And, you know, that's a trend that started four years ago in San Francisco yeah. with your guy Kyle Shanahan. No doubt. You got to prove to everyone that it's not a revolving door, that we're not just going to fire you in a year or two. So you put your money where your mouth is and you sign the guy for six years that doesn't mean they have to keep him for six years, no. but it gives him financial security on the back end, and it sends a message on the way through the door. We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to restrain ourselves, or at least try to, if we get tempted to fire this guy after two or three seasons. Yeah, that's right. I mean, we know this money is a drop in the bucket for these owners, but they don't want to give money out for free. That's the one thing we know. They really like their money. These people. So, you know, it doesn't matter how much they got. They're not trying to pay a guy like Dan Campbell three free years of doing nothing and sipping pina coladas or whatever else that is. You're right. Well, Kyle Shanahan had that leverage because the 49ers were a little dysfunctional at that point, just like the Detroit Lions. And I think the other thing, too, and why you're going to, I think you're going to continue to see this and coaches try to, you know, beat down the door of I want a five and six year deal because I think realistically, too, you know, what a lot of these coaches are doing and saying, a guy like Dan Campbell, he's going, this might be my only shot. And I want to build something. I don't want to just one year put a Band-Aid on it and then the next year we rip it off and we try to figure out a new Band-Aid for the new team. He wants to build something sustainable. And I think with him and Brad Holmes, that's what they're looking at. And they're going, wait, this team has a lot of issues on the roster. 
it's probably going to take us a year of building before we can even be legitimately competitive. And then maybe it's year three where you start to go, okay, here we go. The Lions have something you got to watch out for on every Sunday. And I think that's what Dan Campbell and every coach is trying to strive for right now. And good for him for getting it. And, and really, I love the hire. I do. I think more of these type of guys need to be in the NFL and given opportunities as head coaches. I know that's not popular, but I, I like it. I know this is going back a couple of minutes. Yeah. But- how did the pina colada become your go-to metaphor for it a guy? It just seems like the relaxing, kind of not doing anything, you know? It's just that I think it drives home the point more where it's just like, hey, we're paying you millions and this guy's sitting at home drinking pina coladas, right? That's why. It just seems like it sets the I'm doing nothing, I'm just chilling and relaxing type drink scene a little bit more, don't you think? I, I agree, but there are so many other things you could have <laughs> chosen and pronounced properly on a consistent basis. <laughs> nah. It's just, it's just, it's fascinating to me that you pick the pina colada and continue to say pina colada. I just, there's just something about maybe that, maybe there's a genius to it there that I don't get because it is fascinating to me. Dan Campbell, in many ways, is the exact opposite of Matt Patricia. And how many times have we seen a team hire a coach who is the exact opposite of the guy they had? a former player who brings that credibility, who's going to be a leader of men, who's going to walk into the locker room and take charge, not try to take charge by picking a fight with Darius Slay and having his relationship with the team go sideways from the first day he met with the team, but someone who can organically craft that relationship. And I think it's that former player, hard-nosed, rough-and-tumble attitude that attracted Chris Spielman to Dan Campbell. I don't yeah. think it's a coincidence. I don't think Dan Campbell gets his job if Chris Spielman isn't the guy running the search, Chris. I, I, I'd agree, you know, and Barry Sanders helping out, you know, and they, they see that and they go, man, this guy, we like what he we hear, his attitude. You know, again, football, hey, we all love the, you know, the offensive geniuses and all those fun things and everything like that. But the teams that consistently kind of hang around do the basics of football really well. They tackle, they block. They're more physical, they're disciplined, and don't blow assignments. The game doesn't have to be overly complicated that way. And we see a lot of teams be successful by just kind of latching on to that mantra. You know, hey, and, and I'll even say, I mean, some of these offenses of geniuses out there that we talk about, I mean, hey, Sean McVay, I know he's offensive genius. You know what his teams are? They're everything we just said. There's really not that much offensive genius. They run like five plays. They just beat you up physically. They're sound. They know what to do. That's still part of coaching football. And I really look at Dan Campbell and just go, this is Mike Vrabel, but the offensive version of it. And I think he's got a great feel of physicality. Let's be tough and brutal and do things the right way. And yet he's been with the Sean Paytons and seen Bill Parcells in action too to go, okay, and then now we're going to do that. And here's a little X's and O's advantage too to help out those other aspects. And that's where I think it could be cool. Like you said, leader of men has is, is got a, a real thing in the NFL locker room. You said earlier that you wouldn't want to mess with Rodney Harrison. Based on those photos we just showed, I would recommend not messing with Dan <laughs> Definitely Campbell not. either. Yeah. Let's take a break. Uh, it's airing of Grievances Day, a day later than usual. When we do it on Thursdays, it really messes me up. It I'm makes totally me think it's Wednesday. Up. It's not. It's Thursday. But I have a good grievance. Well, I, I don't want to oversell it. I have a decent grievance. I'm ready to go fumble in the end zone talk again. I, I'm no, ready no, not that. that. Not that. You'll find out what it is when we return right after this. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's rare that you would practice going to the championship game and over your shoulder is a stadium with a uh, banner for Super Bowl 55. Not that you need a visual reminder, but how unique is it to be so close and and realize, you know, that's where the game is? Yeah, we don't play that game this week. That's the message to everybody. We play the Packers in the NFC Championship game. You start thinking about the Super Bowl, get your feet and be packing your bags on Monday. Shereen Williams and I have concluded on PFTPM based upon a couple of Bruce Arians press conferences this week that he is a particular kind of chameleon whose face takes on the shade of red 
that he's wearing that day. Yeah, I he would agree. He had pink on earlier this week. Right. His face was pink. He has red on. His face is red. It's unbelievable. <laughs> but that's Bruce Arians. And that it is. only works for red. It doesn't work for any other color. I don't get it. I don't understand it. But just watch. With Bruce Arians, his face is always the color fits, of whatever he's it fits wearing. It's when on. your team is red. I mean, it's good. His, his skin's team colors. It's good. Uh, but I, I never noticed it when he was with the Cardinals and they're red. I, yeah, you're right. There's probably a little. Well, yeah, I don't know. You're, I don't know. Either way, both places you're getting sunburned and red. I could tell you that. Living in Tampa, Florida, man, there's nothing you can do to avoid it. I got. I'm the whitest man in America, and I went to school at Texas, and then got drafted by the Buccaneers, and I was perpetually burned for like the first six years of doing that. All right, here's my grievance, and and it may seem trivial, but it's actually important in this era of gambling. One thing I've noticed in recent days. The injury report information that you find on a team's official website is often wrong. Uh, yesterday, for example, Stephon Diggs was listed on the Bills website and the Chiefs website as not practicing due to an oblique injury. He wa- he did practice. He practiced on a limited basis. And again, it's not a huge issue, but how do you get that wrong? And And it reminded me of what happened last Friday as we were awaiting the final Saints injury report heading into the game against the Buccaneers in the divisional round. The Saints had an injury report for Friday on their website that was grossly wrong. It showed Michael Thomas as out. It didn't list Taysom Hill at all. And it was clearly the Friday report of that week against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And this is a critically important piece of information for someone who's going to be thinking about what wagers they may or may not make. And I don't know how you get this wrong. It is the easiest thing you can imagine that any PR department would put out the name of the player, the area of the injury, and whether he practiced fully on a limited basis or not at all. And I think it's inexcusable to have these mistakes, Chris, and I keep noticing them over and over again. Am I, am I making too much of it? No, well, no, you're not making too much of it. I mean, from the team's aspect, that they don't care. You know, I mean, we know all those reasons why. They, they don't really want to let anybody know what's going on and the status of Maybe some of these guys. Maybe they welcome the mistake. Exactly. Oh, sorry. Oops. I, I think they <laughs> Did do. Did I do that? I think there's very little thought and re- like it's not like there's not enough resources and thought into it. To one of those things, Mike, I think where you're laying it out right here, like Sky Judge, it's the same type of thing. The NFL five years from now might have to have an independent person in every one of these buildings to go, no, no, I saw this guy. He's getting treatment on his calf muscle. They put, you know, whatever, shoulder sprain. That's wrong. It's his calf muscle, and it's it's questionable whether it will play. It's not, you know, probable or something like that. They might have to do that for the integrity of gambling and everything like you're talking about. Hey, I don't disagree with that at all. And at least for now, just make sure that the information officially generated and provided to the league is properly reflected on your official website. That's the problem. There's a disconnect between what eventually is put out via the league based on the information provided by the teams and what the teams directly put into their websites. And to me, I don't know. Look, I understand typos happen. We have plenty no, of these PFT, aren't typos, but this is important. This yeah. is substantive and people are relying upon this information. And I know last Friday people are like, what the hell? Michael Thomas is out. No, he was in. Let's take a break. More PFT live right after this.